Hey everyone, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Just a quick note before today's episode. This summer, we're completing our series of introduction videos with our final season of filming, and we still need to raise about $30,000 to cover those costs, and we would love you to help us with that. And you can do that by visiting the Spoken Gospel website and clicking on Donate. And by doing that, you can contribute to bringing books like the Book of Revelation to life. And whether that's through a one-time gift or a monthly donation, your support makes all the difference in the world. So thank you so much and enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are diving into 2 Peter 1 today. Yep. Seth, how are you? I'm excited to read the dying words of Peter, the yeah. first the 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 rock of the church. The rock, yeah, so we but. like we we set this up on the introduction podcast that we did mm-hmm. a few weeks ago and we talked about how this is like his deathbed letter. That's right. Yeah, which is really a really interesting way to think about this this letter i've never i've never like read a, a thing in the bible and been like this is the last thing he wrote yeah. you know right uh i mean that's what i mean peter says it in verse 12 therefore i intend always to remind you of these qualities which we'll talk about um i think it is right as long as i am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder since i know the putting off of my body will be soon as our lord jesus christ made clear to me yeah so apparently like Jesus appeared to him and told him he was going to die well, or what yeah, if- in, uh, at the end of the book of John, when uh-huh. he appears to, to the disciples yep. and he comes to Peter and John and he basically tells them that he's going to die. Mm. Do you remember that? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he's talking about when Jesus resurrected and appeared to him and then he's like, I didn't mean that immediately, yeah, immediately but, that but yeah. you are going to die soon yeah. at, at some point. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I mean, what is it like? what do we need to have in our heads as we approach this letter? Um, especially this like first 15 verses before he goes on a tirade against the false teachers, which we'll yeah. probably talk about next week. But like, what do we need to have in our heads here that like to set the right categories for everything that he's about to say? Well, I think this, the idea of the last words of John is mm-hmm. a helpful category. Peter. This, or, John, <laughs> Peter. It's my <laughs> favorite idiosyncrasy <laughs> of you. I just get names mixed up <laughs> in my head. I do it with my kids all the time. Um, uh, the last words of Peter. I think that's yeah. an, a helpful category. This is Peter's magnum opus. Mm. He has spent a life with Jesus. Prophesy, his death was prophesied by Jesus. He sees it coming in the future, and he's looking back on all his ministry, his time as an elder mm. of the Jerusalem church, his time with Jesus, and saying, I know I'm about to die. I have something to tell you guys first. Yeah. I think that's just a helpful thing to have in the back of your mind. Yeah. I also think it's helpful when you come into Second Peter, this first part of Second Peter, at least, to remember he's speaking to a Greek audience. Okay, because he uses words to describe Christians, Christian ideas that are kind of atypical. Okay, like what? He doesn't use the word uh, righteousness. He uses the word virtue. 
Is that he, the word that's like translated goodness in my... Uh, it might be goodness, yeah. Okay. Supplement your faith with virtue. Yes. Uh, and virtue with knowledge. Does your Bible say goodness? Yes. Yeah, so goodness rather than righteousness. He's uh. ta- instead of sin, he talks about corruption. Instead of being like included in God's family, he says we become partakers of the divine nature. Mm. So I think it's really interesting. So as I was meditating on this passage, I just thought it was very interesting the words Peter decided to use when talking to specific audience. So one thing that did for me was it kind of just made me think about what God has done for me and Jesus Mm. a little bit differently, but it was also helpful to realize that I can talk about biblical ideas with like atypical language and actually be a good thing. So that's what I had in my mind as well. No, it's good. I mean, even thinking about like having righteousness versus Mm -hmm. having virtue that's easier it's for me. It's easier for me. It's so much easier yeah, for I'm me. I'm like, oh, like do good. Yeah. Like be a virtuous, good person. Yeah. It's well, different than be righteous. One of the <sighs> authors I was reading, he talked about moral progress. Uh-huh. I was like, that's a helpful way to talk that's about helpful. sanctification. Right. Or moral progress. Right. That's helpful. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's helpful to me. Uh, so I thought that was helpful for me as I okay. went into this. And the other category, even though it's not the phrase he uses here in Second Peter 1, is the category of righteousness. Mm. The idea of virtue or moral perfection or being free from corruption. Because I think this is the idea that Peter goes all in on um, because he'll mention it here, but it's also some of the last words of the book of Second Peter. Mm. The final hope he offers to his church is, but according to God's promises, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness, righteousness dwells. So I think Peter, as he's coming to the end of his life, is going all in and reflecting on how good and necessary righteousness is. Mm. Which sounds like a typical old man thing to be like about like <laughs> these kids just aren't as good as the old kids like you know but when, when I was your age yeah. we, we helped the old ladies across the street right like, yeah. which is funny I was like that's kind of a funny way to say it but I, he does he goes all in for it so. yeah well and okay so explore that with me for a little bit because I'm looking at verse one here mm-hmm. where he uses the word righteousness and yes. that is classic definitely yes. righteousness the way the 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 Bibleese righteousness word because mm-hmm. it's dikaisune, yep. which is the Greek yep. word for righteousness. Classic Greek word. He's not afraid to use no. the word righteousness, and, but he but he puts it in relationship. Like he says, like anyway. Let me just read it. Yeah. Uh, so Simon Peter, Simeon Peter, a servant of the apostle, uh, servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to and now he's talking. This is you. I'm going to describe you, my audience, to those who have obtained a faith. Of equal standing with ours, meaning the apostles, meaning the apostles. Whoa, big statement! Not yeah. only a Greek audience being the same as a, is, uh, an is, Israel audience, mm-hmm. a Jewish audience, but also like I'm an apostle of Jesus, equal standing through faith. How by mm-hmm. the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Yes. So it's like so the righteousness the that that belongs to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's what's given to us to make us have equal standing that we achieve through faith. Is that yeah. it? I think this is what he's going to... Ex- this is like his his thesis statement. Oh, it's yeah, the most yeah. simple way to say it. Equal standing. Uh, he's going to talk about being partakers of the divine here in a second. With ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think that's his like thesis statement. Yep. God and Savior. Jesus saves us through his righteousness. Jesus Christ is our God. One of the clearest statements of the divinity of Jesus right. in some of the the, the letters. 
Um, I think that's his thesis statement. Yep. I think I think you're right. Okay. Okay. So, so what do you want help with here? Um, what does it mean to say, unless he, or he's about to unpack it, which mm-hmm. if so, then you can move me into verse three. Yeah. What does it mean to say that the righteousness of Jesus is given to us through faith? Hmm. Like, does it mean like his virtue? Like I will do the things he did. Mm-hmm. Is right. So is that like an action? The, yeah. active, all the good deeds of Jesus. all the good deeds of Jesus. I will now do, uh, or or and or are we talking about a status where it's like, man, that is a virtuous person, mm-hmm. or he has been declared righteous before court of law. Yeah, or you know, he's like, not guilty. He is righteous. Righteous before God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, we should just go to verse three. Okay, great. So. I just he, want to have that like swimming in our heads yeah, while like, we're what like, okay, now of, unpack your thesis statement. You no, know, because I think it's a good point because righteousness is one of those Christian words everybody uses, and then it can mean ten different things. It's like, what's on the table here? One, there's like a moral, a moral like, can I be a moral person? Is that what he's talking about? Right. Is it the status I have before God as being declared righteous, mm-hmm. declared innocent, because Jesus has given me His righteousness, His goodness before Him? And the, you said one more. No, I think those are the two. Those, those, yeah, those so are the two. Which one of those two is yeah. it? And, and I think, and I think the other question I'm asking is like, why are we talking about righteousness here uh-huh. to this audience facing these problems? Uh, well, that's probably a good background question because okay. one of the main things these false teachers are going to start talking about is that we don't need to live the moral lifestyle taught by Jesus and the apostles. Right. We so, talked about this yeah. on the introduction. Yes. Yeah. So they're going to say that like you don't need to follow the moral commands of Jesus and the apostles because why? God's judgment isn't coming. We yeah. can live however we want. What you, like you don't need to be so morally rigorous with yourself. Mm. And so Peter's coming and saying, "Well, okay, hold on. We have been saved by God, defined by righteousness, defined by moral purity, de- defined by goodness, virtue. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, we must live lives like that. Like okay. that, that's 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 the direction he's pushing yeah, right now. This is all starting to connect for me. Okay, yeah. so." Uh, you have this. You have these people living in a tumultuous cultural current that's trying to sweep them towards antinomianism. It's trying to push them towards lawlessness, push them mm-hmm. towards evil acting. Yeah. Because there's no coming judgment. Jesus isn't coming back. Mm-hmm. So live however you want. Mm-hmm. Is, and they're being pulled towards that. Mm-hmm. And so Peter, in his dying breath, I'm dramatizing yeah. it, yeah. sends them a letter saying, "No." Don't do Stick it. to your virtue. Yeah. Be good people, even when everyone tells you to be bad. Yeah. Is the simplest way to put it. Right. Yes. And I think and and the and the reason why you've you've said it, I just want to repeat it, is is not and he's gonna say be, later, because there is a coming day of judgment. Mm-hmm. And he'll prove that. But here he's not focusing on that. Here he's saying, because you're joined to Christ. Yeah. And so the that's righteous God. Yes. Yeah. So that's what we're what he goes into in verse three. Mm-hmm. That's okay. right. His divine power. Which stop? Divine Oof. power. We're talking about a different way to talk about God here. God, oh, yeah. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Mm-hmm. So he's front-loading his whole letter with the necessity of godliness and the way that God leverages his divine power to give us the ability to be righteous, to mm. pursue moral progress, to be pure yeah pious uh, is another way that bdag a, a famous oh. greek lexicon translates yes. that word for godliness piety just another piety. helpful yep. another good word yep okay so every like so like 
God's God's power is going to infuse you with everything you need to survive this current pulling you towards wickedness. Yep. Everything you need to live a, a, a pious life, a virtuous life, is in the power of God that he is granting you. Yes. And how do you get that power? Through knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So, by faith. Okay. So, you just said it. We have obtained a faith of equal standing but with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. He's unpacking what he just said, like... God is leveraging all of his divine power so that we can become godly. And the way that we become godly and gain God's power is by knowing, trusting, believing, having faith in the God who called us to his own glory and excellence. Okay, so two 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 things yeah. there. One, you, you've quickly synonymized uh-huh. uh, knowledge and faith. Yeah. Is that what we should be doing here? Is it just because, is the proof that well, we're unpacking the thesis statement that he just said, mm-hmm. and he's just saying it in a different way. I think that's part of it. Okay. I also think throughout scripture, knowledge functions that way mm. because the demons know that God has called a people to be his own. The demons know that Jesus can perform miracles. The G- demons know that Jesus died and rose from the dead, but that doesn't save them. That mm. doesn't bring them into a life of godliness. There's a different, like the Bible has more, uses the word knowledge to talk in different ways. So you're saying it it, it it cannot be just intellectual recognition. No, it can't just be that. Okay, yeah. It's not like... So the, the, the more times you read Grudem's systematic theology, the more you are you are having divine power and pertaining to life and godliness. Uh, no. Okay. No. It might help, <laughs> but they're not a, yeah. a perfect coalition. Okay, I get that. And then and it's, he's called us to his own glory and excellence. Mm-hmm. What's helpful here is, I, I've, you know this, Yeah. I got stuck on these three verses. You did get stuck on these three verses. When we were verses. studying it, and it's just really been beautiful to me. Um, but I just haven't quite made all these connections we just made. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm like, oh, what does it mean to be called to his glory and excellence? He's saying... You can't go fall under the current of wickedness and be pulled towards evil and sin uh, because you've been called to perfection. You've been called to be like God. You've been called to be just like God's glory and God's excellence. How excellent is God? I mean, look at the fine-tuning of the universe. That's the bar. Like that's what you've been called to is that level of excellence. So don't get swept up in like all the sexual licentious lies of Mm -hmm. these false teachers. You've been called to the excellent standard of the God who fine-tuned how far the earth is from the sun. (laughs) And specifically, the excellence of Jesus, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think it's interesting if we're talking about sensuality, which is a a significant theme in 2 Peter. Jesus never got married. Right. He, like, you know, like he lived this very virtuous life on earth, loving others, praying for others, like gave his life for others. Like you have in Jesus this glory and excellence of self-sacrificial death on the behalf of others. And that's mm. what we're being called into, right? right? Yeah, right. it's kind of like we talked about in the first Peter podcast where it was like, um, we're living a countercultural lifestyle mm-hmm. that the way of Jesus makes us exiles because it doesn't fit the bill of the universe. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, it's yeah, different yeah. than everybody else is living. And so like you could think about you know, someone engaging in some kind of sexual ex- escapade saying mm-hmm. like, man, that was glorious. Yeah. You know, or yeah, like yeah, yeah. that was an excellent experience. Mm-hmm. And then to look at Jesus and actually say, he's calling you to his glory mm-hmm. and his excellence, which is true glory and true mm-hmm. excellence. And it's not sex and right. it's not fame. And it's not that it's the way of the cross. It's yeah. the way of serving. There's glory and excellence in that. Yeah. The false teachers will consistently paint like, 
the way of Jesus as slavery. But Peter is painting this picture of like glory and power mm. and, and, and divine freedom. Yeah. Divine power has granted yeah. this to you. You might have power, like the power to have fun, he'll say is ultimately will lead you to slavery. Yeah. And the power to constrain yourself to a certain type of moral standard is true freedom and gives you true access to God's power. Mm. That's glory. That's excellence. That's really awesome. Um, and then he also goes on to define his glory and excellence. If I'm reading this right, uh, he's called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. This so, is an odd sentence. Yeah, so. yeah, it is. Uh, so is it is it his glory and excellence that is granted to us his promises? Is that what's being said? Because uh, I mean, if we've said the glory and excellence of Jesus mm-hmm. is both his divine power and the way of the cross, mm-hmm. then the God using his divine power to go to the cross in the person of Jesus would be how all the very great promises of the Bible are fulfilled. So it kind of makes sense. Yes. Is that what you're thinking or something different? I think so. I think it's the glory and excellence of Jesus. It it makes God's promises come true. Yeah, the glory of Jesus makes God's promises come true. Right. And what's funny about this is he never names the promises. No. Which is interesting because you'd expect, so what promises did Jesus accomplish for me? Uh He doesn't say what they are, but he does say what they do, Mm. which is in verse five, he says... God's verse, it's actually continued in verse four, sorry. Yep. Uh, so that through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature. Yep. Okay. And escape the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Well, there it is. That's what we're saying is his whole thesis statement is you don't have to fall under the swelling current of the evil around you. Mm-hmm. You can escape it. Why? Because you have been grafted in to the personhood of God. You are now a partaker of of the divine nature. Yeah, you which, are, yeah, or in other words, it was a participation yeah. in the divine nature. Yeah, which is the Greek word koinonia, which fellowship. is fellowship. It's like yeah. often used to describe the church. The mm-hmm. church has koinonia, um, and like to have that kind of, you have that unity and community mm-hmm. with God, and that's why you've escaped the corruption, yeah. is because you're now a part of Jesus's body. Yeah, you share Jesus's own moral perfection. Right. You share his nature. You share his nature, which we should just pause for a second. Yeah, well, This is a kind of like a, a crazy <laughs> idea that mankind can join themselves to God, the divine's moral perfection, and through that escape our own moral corruption. Yeah. Think about the Greek-speaking world of Peter's day mm. for just a moment where they said the divine and the human could not interact in that way they said to be so this is not necessarily the false what the false teachers are saying that right, are right, like, right. it's just the broad greek the, culture the broader greek culture would have said that god's nature cannot mix with man's nature right because what's earthly what's manly what's fleshly is wrong bad you're talking subpar, about a platonic dualism like some sort of platonic dualism or an early gnosticism mm-hmm. like that was part of the culture in the water it yeah. was in the water and he's like pushing up against that pretty hard and yeah saying, no, no, you actually join you jo- god joins himself to you and you participate with him and because the divine and the human mix together it changes the way you live you become mm. you join in his moral perfection you escape moral corruption yeah man i'm just thinking like we say it's kind of like this thing we don't really think about very often or it's this different way to think about how how we escape moral corruption very true i just also want to flag it's it's different, especially for 
Protestants. Okay. Because <laughs> I think there's in some other world, like in like in the even in the Catholic tradition, um, there is a lot more mysticism. You know, they yeah. just have a history of mystics. Yeah. You know, and think what you will about them. I'm not making a value statement here. Yeah. Uh, I've read a lot of them. Um, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Um, but they talk about participation in the divine mm-hmm. really easily. Uh, and I think that's why there's the, so you know there's a historical reaction against that type of mysticism mm-hmm. that can almost make um, claims like these verses like these we want to water them down yeah because it's just like that just feels wrong right like that we share God's nature yeah but it's like how how different is that from saying that we have God's spirit it's the same yeah. thing but like we said he's talking to a Greek audience and using yeah. some different words to yeah. help communicate the same truth. Yeah, but stronger than share and have. Yeah, is participate. participate. Yeah. Partakers of. Yeah. And I mean, it's amazing. It's I want it to feel amazing. Yeah. Like, as I'm talking about it, like I want it to feel amazing for this me. This is why I like, got stuck on these verses because right. I was like I felt the same thing. I was like I need to meditate on this until I cry. <laughs> I I think I mean, okay. So if we don't have participation, in the divine nature. What's on the line if this wasn't true? Is that what you're getting right. at? Right. Okay. If, if our lives are like temporally and eternally dominated by corruption. our former sins yeah. or our former corruption and the corruption others have inflicted upon us. Yeah. Like, what is that? I mean... That's hell, right? That's hell. I mean, and it's like... If, if the only participation in an eternal reality is the corruption of yourself and other people... Yeah. That's that's the, that's the other option of the line. It is well, and even more sharply, like uh, to get like to get it kind of personal to today, mm-hmm. it is the opposite narrative of postmodern enlightenment that okay. human growth is always up and to the right. Mm-hmm. We are always improving, always getting smarter, better, faster, stronger. We're always doing things more efficiently. We're always becoming more virtuous. We're always becoming more to- tolerant. We're always mm-hmm. becoming more inclusive. Right. Uh, that is not only the narrative of our society, but it's the narrative we want to believe of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Self-help books, like mm-hmm. we are always getting better. Mm-hmm. And the there's a lie in it that if you aren't joined to the divine nature, if you're not in Christ, yeah, then no matter how hard you work to improve yourself and your society, mm-hmm. you are actually stagnating, going down into the right, or uh, down, down, into down into the right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and you're actually plummeting into hell. Like what you think right. is moral improvement is actually moral degradation. Right. Because I mean, and Peter's point is like, if Jesus is the, is perfection, moral perfection, righteousness itself. Yes. If you are not joined to him, how can you improve? Right. How can you live a life of goodness and virtue? Yeah. Cause he is excellence, not any other standard. He, he is virtue incarnate, yeah. right? And it, yeah. yeah. And if you don't have him, you cannot have right. excellence. You can't have virtue. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't get better. We want to get better. Yeah. In the famous words of our favorite, Chris Renzima. Yeah. We all just want to get better. Um, well, it makes me think again about these being Peter's last words. Okay. And um, why is this the thought to go out on? The fact that I have, I participate in the divine nature. Yeah that I am morally pure by the divine fiat of Jesus. Man, 
I got two answers came into my head. Yeah. Uh, and like I, I th- I'm thinking about my granddad, who's who's dead. Um, he was just a man of God, and just I have his Bible that he used to take around with him, sharing the gospel everywhere, sitting on my shelf in my office. Uh, he just he he wore his Bibles out in two years. It was I mean he, I just love him. Yeah. And uh, miss him like crazy. And he when he was close to death, two things just kept ping ponging back and forth, pendulum swings. He would say, I just cannot wait to be with Jesus. And then he would just swing back and say, I hope I did enough to be with Jesus. Mm. And like when you're on your deathbed, I feel like those yeah. are the two things you're going to think is I can't wait to be in the divine nature. Mm. And I hope my corrupted nature doesn't keep me out of the divine nature. Right, right, right. <laughs> and it's like that's why it's good news on your deathbed mm. <laughs> to know that by the divine fiat of Jesus and it's his own. He owns the righteousness. Mm-hmm. It's it's his purview, his property. His divine power has been granted and to it's you, here gifted you, to here you. Here you go, deal with it. It's yeah. yours now. And there is that impartation, that irre- irrevocable impartation of Jesus's virtue that is really good news when you're about to die. Mm-hmm. Not only because it calls you into it and you can't wait to cross yeah. that precipice, but also because you know that you can be oh. safe when you do. I'm also just thinking, like, if you're on your deathbed, you can't do anything else. No. Nope. You can't go out and give more money to the poor. You can't, you know, like, if you're on your deathbed, all you have to offer is faith. Mm, that's so right? true. Like, you, like you, you don't have any time left. Nope. And so Peter is saying, I have all, the reason why I have hope is because I can sit here and lay here in my, in my dying. Yep. And by faith, no, I am I, participating in the divine nature. Yes. And I will forever. I will be part of a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells forever. And that's how he ends the letter. That's yeah. That's how he ends the letter. Okay. Whew. Okay. So uh, is there is there a really concrete way to talk about the gospel in this that we haven't already? I mean, it's Jesus. What is the righteousness of Jesus? <laughs> Like we kind of asked right, that right. question at the beginning. Right. Was it his good works? Is it his moral standing before the Father? Mm-hmm. We said yes and. Yeah. And both of those are given to us mm-hmm. by virtue of our faith in him. Yeah. Um, but that transaction, mm-hmm. that giftedness, wasn't just out of divine fiat alone, as yeah. in uh, God spoke and it happened. There was the cross mm-hmm. in which our unrighteousness was put on Jesus so that we could partake in the divine nature. Our corruption, our human nature, our fallen sinful state, he became on the cross, Mm -hmm. Paul says, uh, so that we could become his righteousness, right? He took our human nature so we could take on his divine nature. Mm -hmm. There was a divine exchange, right? Isn't isn't that what Luther called it? Mm -hmm. Um, Where he takes on our human nature so we can take on his divine nature. And it is at the cross in Jesus suffering as we should have suffered Mm -hmm. that that exchange happened. Mm -hmm. And that's the gospel. Yeah, I just wanna like put a really fine point on how this is possible. Because I feel like, especially sometimes, some of the like some yeah. mystical authors can skip over that moment, right, right, which is God's just inviting you in. He's well, like, it, He is, but through His blood. And it is interesting. Peter doesn't mention the cross. No, he does not. Which I I was like kind of tripped up by. As yeah. I was like, does that mean I can talk about the righteousness of God apart from reference to the cross? I think that's true in one sense, right? Like the fact that 
the divine and the human join and the woman marry is good news because it offers me the hope that the divine and human can join once again, right? Like that is good news. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're right. It's like, I think Peter's probably assuming a little bit of his audience oh, yeah. as well. It's like you. Yeah. I mean, when you and I preach, we don't have to go. Now, this is only if you're a Christian. Right. You know, this is only if you've believed in X, Y, Z. We feel free to preach good news. Yes. Like, hey, you're saved. Yeah, we don't have to. We so we like to. just because Peter doesn't reference it doesn't mean the cross has no bearing here. Right, right, yeah, right. <laughs> Peter is saying that we need to pursue godliness, virtue, because we're in God. Uh, actually, more specifically, God has given us himself godliness yeah yeah. god has (laughs) given us his divine power in divine nature and we share in it okay and Uh, then there's a there's an interesting turn here right where it's okay god has given us his divine power to make a share in his divine nature Mm -hmm. so therefore you go make every effort Mm -hmm. to pursue that yes so it's this it's this divine human duality well it's like does does God just give it to us or do we have to work hard to pursue it? Well, we'll go back one verse. He okay. says, one of the, the pro, one of the things the promises of God does, it makes us partakers of the divine nature and it helps us escape from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So like that, that, that escape, I think, is a, a two-part escape. Hmm. One, you have been made more, you've been joined to the moral purity of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so it's an event that happens in your life. You've been partakers, participants of the divine nature, but it's also a journey. Jesus has saved us, but we still need to make every effort to add to our faith virtue and goodness and yeah. godliness. It's, a, it's an event and a process, like moral perfection and moral progress at the same time. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And I think another way, I'm like trying to pick get the right metaphor. None of them quite work. Yeah. Um, but like, I'll give you both of them, and everyone, please give me grace. I always over caveat when I yeah, have these just, things. Just go for that. But um, the first idea I had was like, okay, you're in quicksand, okay, and then you get thrown this mm-hmm. this immutably sturdy lifeline, mm-hmm. like it's it's not going to break. Your yeah. hands can't slip from it. You know, it's perfectly going to pull you up. Mm-hmm. But you gotta you gotta pull up. You gotta yeah, get yeah, out yeah, of the yeah, yeah, out of the yeah. mud. So it's God, and then the question I'm like asking that I don't want anyone to ask because the metaphor breaks it. So do you, does God save you or do you save yourself? God saves you 100%. It's all grace. Yeah. So like, be quiet. But anyway. <laughs> be quiet, brain. <laughs> the other one was. Uh, shut up, metaphor. Shut up, <laughs> seminary. <laughs> that's what that, that's all seminary. Uh, anyway, and then um, I'm still healing from, you know. Mm, no, we uh, all are. Uh, the other one was like, more like. A post-apocalyptic mm, first-person shooter, yeah, 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 where it's like you're surrounded by zombies, and then God just like gives you a like a plasma gun or something, right, and you're right, just right. like, "Hey, you're gonna win." Here's here's body armor and a gun, yeah, and just go nuts, just go nuts. And you gotta work your way out of the corruption. <laughs> it's just like the dumb picture I had in my head, but. Okay, I, I think th- I think the, the easier thing to say, <laughs> maybe that's a better <laughs> metaphor, is just if we have been saved by a righteous God, mm-hmm. if we are participators participators with a divine righteousness, what does that mean as we live in a sinful world? And that, that's mm. all you have to say. Oh, that's helpful. Yeah, that's helpful. Because it's like, it's the whole exile thing. Yeah, like You've been set apart 
And now it's hard to live there because you've been set apart. Yes. You've been given the divine nature and you live around sinful nature. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to make every effort to live in and around the sinful nature as someone who has been set apart by the divine nature. It's hard. It's hard. (laughs) And so he then lists a bunch of ways to supplement your faith. Mm -hmm. (laughs) These are your faith vitamins. Yeah. Supplement (laughs) your faith with virtue. This is the G and C of... Uh Yeah, for our international listeners, uh, a GNC is a supplement store where you get like protein powder and, and stuff. vitamins. And vitamins. Anyway, it's a really bad metaphor. Uh, full of bad you're metaphors full today. Of bad metaphors today. <laughs> so this is why we should supplement our faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge mm-hmm. and knowledge with self-control, with steadfastness and with steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Mm. Interestingly, everything except faith and love were common Greek virtues mm. talked about in like famous Greek philosophers of the time, like uh, self-control, virtue, knowledge, stead- like steadfastness or faithfulness, go- uh, godliness, would, not necessarily, but yeah. like that moral perfection and brotherly affection were all common Greek values. Mm. But he says, what brackets those things? You had to add into those things the, some of this divine nature. <laughs> the Christian faith in the righteous Jesus and the love that God has demonstrated for the cross of Jesus mm. and love for one another, uh, which I thought was an interesting yeah. little historical how, how, how are we supposed to think about these? Um, do they all just kind of mesh together throughout time mm. or are they progressive? Like once you got virtue, then you, then get you can go to the next level and then you go to the next level. <laughs> like maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Do you have an answer to this? No. I was meditating on it this morning and I wrote down, um, man, it's really cool that I didn't write. It's really cool. <laughs> I was thinking I wrote something snappier. Dear diary. Dear it's diary. So it's cool. so cool that. <laughs> no, I wrote that um, it's interesting that the uh, that knowledge comes before virtue or after virtue or goodness because mm-hmm. it's like knowledge puffs up but love builds up. And I was like, oh. I know what it's like to have virtueless knowledge, <laughs> mm-hmm. to have uh, have knowledge and no goodness. Mm-hmm. And to like someone who's knows everything but is not a good person is one of the worst people. And so it's just, I was like, oh, it's interesting that you, it, you have virtue first and then knowledge. Yeah. But then I was like, but then I was like, I don't know if I'm just. Yeah, no, it's th- super interesting. I, what it made me, I, I don't know if you can, I think you're supposed to make them coextensive with one another. Yeah. Like, your virtue should be a knowledgeable virtue and your uh-huh. your 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 knowledge should be a faithful type of knowledge and your love should be defined by virtue and yes. knowledge as well but it also made me think of what peter says to husbands about their wives he says love your wives according to knowledge oh he, uh, or in an understanding way yeah. but the, the greek says according to knowledge right like no like Practice the your virtues love. have to talk to one another and be right. built on one another. Right. Yeah. So, so like the more virtue I have, the more holy my knowledge will be. The better mm-hmm. my knowledge will mm-hmm. be. The more self control you have, the better you'll be able to live a godly, self controlled, li- you know, a godly yeah. life. Yeah, right. definitely. That's that's the more knowledgeable I am, the better I'll love people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, the more you know somebody else, the better you'll love them. Yeah. I don't know what quite quite what kind of knowledge is mentioned yeah, here. But it's but fun. Like, I think that'd be a cool thing for anybody to just meditate on is mm-hmm. how these all correspond. And I think the thing to take away is like, or how I was thinking mm-hmm. about it was like, do they 
progress. Like you can't go to level two until you do mm. level one. You can't. Right, you right. got to have virtue first, and then you can have knowledge. It's like no. But the thing that you that we want to build off of this is that these do grow out of one another, mm-hmm. and you should stack love on top of knowledge, but you should also stack knowledge on top of love. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, it made me think about a conversation we've had. I think at least once in the podcast about the way that God is. Um, that his attributes don't compete with one another. Yes, but they build on, make better, and qualify qualify one another. So it's like God, like God is both loving, loving and wrathful. And, yeah, and it's like how can those things coexist at the same time? Because me, when I, that happens to me, those things it falls apart. Right, I, I'm, but it's I'm angry at the wrong time, right. and I'm too merciful <laughs> when I shouldn't be. But those perfectly complement each other in mm-hmm. God, and I'm wondering even like the sharing in the divine nature. Oh. Even in, in the same way that like God, all of his attributes are perfectly qualifying one another and growing one another. Like we too, like over time, our love and our anger actually makes sense more and more. Our discipline towards our children and our mercy towards them is right yeah. and not like unfair. Mm. Um, our wisdom and our kindness, yeah. like, you know, like all that, they, they look more like God's nature where yeah. there's unity between them. And God is competition. fully integrated in every characteristic and we can join in that divine nature and yeah. have non-conflicting characteristics that all build off of and qualify one another. Mm-hmm. Our knowledge never has to be a loveless knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, anyway. Okay. Yeah. That's really good. Uh, and so he, he lists all of these and then he makes a concluding statement. Um, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. While we were praying before this, I said, like, this is one of my fears. Right, right. <laughs> is like that I would know everything about Jesus and everything about the Bible, but that that knowledge would be ineffective and unfruitful. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, mm-hmm. I don't want that. Please save me. <laughs> right. And it's like, oh, well, here we go. If these qualities are mine and are increasing, I won't be ineffective and I won't be unfruitful. It's interesting. I always think of that if I doing wrong things robs me of joy mm. and doing the right thing is never enough. That's mm. what I always assume. But Peter comes in and says, do you know doing the right thing is actually proof you're doing a, doing all right? Like, yeah. I never allow myself to think about the fact that like, if I'm better tomorrow than I was today, and I say less swear words, whatever it is, yeah. like, that's actually proof that my knowledge of Jesus is increasing. Right. I don't allow myself to think that Rather way. Rather than I finally risen to the bare minimum. Right. I'm, I, don't, I just, all, all I get out of that is I don't have to be mad at myself today. Right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Peter was, is encouraging people who are like, who everyone's attacking them for their moral virtue, right? Like right, right. now, the, the, the Christian moral ethic that he's encouraging is being attacked by everybody. Yeah. You Christians are so lame for not coming to the dance. And he, he's saying like, every time you say no to the dance, don't you realize that you, that's your faith being fruitful? Yep. That you're uh, not being nearsighted and blind, forgetting that you were cleansed from former sins? That's the next verse. Like mm. You're proving in the moment that you make moral progress that you are part of God's divine nature. Yeah. Um, and I know, don't allow myself to think that. Mm. I, I discount my moral progress and only count my moral failings. Totally. Well, another way to say this is some is some things that Jesus said. Where he's like, you'll know a tree by its fruit. Where it's like, if you're fruitful, if you're growing in knowledge and virtue and self-control and these qualities are yours and increasing, mm-hmm. growing, 
bearing fruit, then you know the tree's healthy. You know, like, yeah, the fruit tells you about the root. This is classic Jesus stuff. Yes. And it's just good news. What I love about that next verse you read, because he flips it on his head. He's like, okay, so if you have these qualities, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. He's like, but if you don't have these qualities, then here's what you've done. You have forgotten that you've been cleansed from your sins. Mm -hmm. And so you can flip that the other way. You can say that positively and say the way to continue pursuing faith and virtue and knowledge and self-control and love and all these other mm -hmm. things is to remember that Jesus has cleansed your sins. Mm -hmm. Like it, that's the yeah. top of the funnel. Uh -huh. How do you get to faith and virtue and self-control? By meditating on and remembering that Jesus, by his sacrifice on the cross, has mm -hmm. saved you from your former sins. Yeah, You go back to that every day. That yeah. is base camp. Mm -hmm. And then you hit base camp. Jesus saved me from my sins. I've been cleansed from my former sins. Man, my life is going to be filled with virtue and self-control and faith and love and knowledge because of that. Mm -hmm. And if you're not growing in those things, it's because you've not, you're not meditating on the gospel. The gospel is the top of the funnel. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I just love that. No, I'm thinking of a couple things right now. One, it makes me think that like, Whoever lacks these qualities forgets that they're cleansed. So the negative, I was just focusing on the negative way to say that yes. too. I was like, yes. oh, when, so when I sin, the primary cause of my sin is forgetting that I was, that I share God's divine nature. Yeah. I'm forgetting that I'm part of God's righteousness. I'm forgetting that I've been cleansed from my sins. So I think the normal pattern for me to think is like, oh, I sin because I'm a terrible person. Right. Right. I sin. Right. I sin because I'm a sinner. And that's true as far as it goes. But right. Peter is inviting us to think about a different cause and effect. Uh-huh. The way that you make moral progress in your life is by returning to the fact that you've been enjoined with this divine power. The way that you, and the reason why you sin in this life is because you forget you're joined to yes, that divine power. That's right. Yeah. What does that change for the average person tomorrow? Oh I'm gosh. dealing with X. Yeah. I like, I'm angry towards my kids. Yeah. I'm angry towards my coworkers. Mm -hmm. And I want to make some moral progress with that okay, David, you just told me the way that I fix that problem is by thinking about Jesus more. Mm -hmm. Put that on the ground for me like tomorrow. Great. So I wrote a book about this. <laughs> <laughs> Entire book answering this question called Rewire Your Heart. It really did though. Um, Sponsor of this podcast. Yeah, but seriously, I mean, that's why I got so excited about this yeah. because I was like, oh my goodness, it's my yeah. thesis statement for the book. Um, that we think that the way to make moral progress or let's just say it this way, the way to stop sinning, mm -hmm. the way to beat sin, that mm -hmm. sin in your life, that X, where you're just like, I want to stop doing this thing. We think the way to do that is to jump to self-control. Let me just buckle down, push that sin down, mm -hmm. and I'm just gonna, stop doing it. I'm going to count to 10 every time I feel angry. That's right. Yep. I'm just going to like be a better person. I can, I can kick it, you know? Mm -hmm. And we are failing to recognize how we are built as human beings. <laughs> that we do things based on our belief systems. Mm -hmm. That I believe that um, anger is the quickest way to get what I want. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like whatever it right. is. Uh, I believe that I will be most satisfied when I look at pornography mm -hmm. and I, because of this whole belief system that I have. And so we have to get underneath our actions and we can't do that with more different actions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we can only do it by getting to our belief system. And our belief system is comprised of things we believe about God and things we disbelieve about God. 
the way he built his universe. Which is seems to be what he's saying yes. here. He's like he's starting like, do you know who you are? Do you know who God is? The righteous one? Do you know who you are in him? Participators in his righteousness? Like he, he Peter's agreeing with you yep. here. Okay. I'm, yeah, and so um and so if you want to change what you're doing, mm-hmm. you have to change what you believe. And mm-hmm. I can't go into all the details. But but that's the bare, like, that's the bottom that's where of it. it begins. Is like if you want to change um, uh, your habit of looking at pornography, then you have to change what you believe about the world that God is holding back something from you whenever he tells you to stop looking mm-hmm. at pornography. You think mm-hmm. he wants you to be unsatisfied. He thinks you think you, he wants you to be unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that he is ultimate satisfaction mm-hmm. that looking at him will actually satisfy your eyes in the way those images on your computer screen never can yeah and the and like and the preeminent way that he has revealed himself to you to satisfy those lusty desires that just can never be satisfied mm-hmm. that are right. always growing is by dying mm-hmm. for you looking at pornography on the cross and he wants you to behold that and know that he loves you, died for those sins, even those really ugly ones where you were you know, locked in your bedroom and no one knew what you were looking at on your computer. Mm-hmm. He knew, and he yeah. died for it because he loves you. And when you behold that, when you remember that, when you remember you were cleansed for your sins because of that, it's going to change the way you live. If you know what you're doing now costs Jesus his blood, yeah. and that he willingly offered it, it should give you a different reason for saying no. Right, a, well, diff- a different motivation. Yes, for- and ultimately, and this is not really Peter's point, right. but ultimately, because you must replace your actions with a better yes, because no is just not powerful enough. Mm, right, right. You need, that's why you're supplementing your life with good things, not just ripping mm-hmm. bad things out of your life. Which might be why Peter is focusing on the righteousness God gives to us, the righteousness we've been included in. Right, not just the corruption we're escaping. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so interesting. Yeah. So I think I think you're right, and I think Peter agrees with you. There's a primacy to us remembering what God has done for us as we go to battle sin. Mm-hmm. But in the next verse, he says, Be all the more diligent, brothers, to confirm your calling and election, because if you practice these things, referring to the, the, virtue, qualities. the, the virtue and loving kindness, you will never fall. Mm. So Peter doesn't seem to pit believing the right things about Jesus against doing and making every effort. So it's like you mentioned like, oh, I just doing the right stuff isn't going to yeah. fix you. Uh, yeah. You do need... I pull myself out of the quicksand or does Jesus pull me out of the quicksand? And so I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying to like mess with that. I'm like, how, how do these two things work together? How does me remembering what God has done for me and my participation in the divine help me make moral progress? Yeah. And how does my moral progress help me? be confirmed that I'm actually saved on my deathbed, you right. know? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like, uh, how do you know something's an apple tree when there's apples on it? Yeah. If there's no apples on it, you may be like, is that an apple tree? If you know, Unless you know trees really well. But, right. you know. That leaf shape. That, that leaf shape <laughs> is definitely an apple tree. But you know what, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the idea here is that uh, you've been made into something, mm. a Christian. You've been grafted into the divine nature. You've been made like God. And so when you start to live like Jesus, when you start to live like God, when godliness manifests itself in your life, you're like, oh, look at that. I sprouted an apple blossom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I must be in the divine nature. I must be a tree. Yeah, I must be an I apple must tree. Be a tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's as simple as that. Um, and and we, I feel like we talked a lot about this when we were going through the letters of John. 
Yeah. Uh, so I'm just reminded yeah. of all that. Yeah. I feel like I wrestled with it more there. And now yes. I'm just like convinced, convinced that right. these are not opposing thoughts. Yeah. I think there was a time when I began reading like Jesus and all scripture that I was afraid to talk about the power of doing the right thing. Right. The power of moral progress, the power of making every effort mm. to add to my faith virtue and virtue steadfastness. Yeah. Because to do that would be a focus take the focus on the fact that I've been joined to Christ, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Peter is as scared as I am. Well, no, to do because that he says, if you're focusing on Christ, you will bear fruit. If you're focusing on the God, if you're gospel centered, yeah. you will be virtuous. And if you're not virtuous, you're not gospel centered. And if you are virtuous, you can know you are in God. You yes. can know that he is the vine and you are the branch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's helpful. Uh, could, confirming your calling and election uh-huh. we're just kind of we kind of we kind of substituted over that, that with like confirming and that you're in the divine nature or whatever and it's yeah, like yeah. this is calling back to some of the language in first peter right uh that th- these are the chosen people that yes. these are the elect exiles like these are this is all language he used in first peter one to in his first letter he called them these things so he's like you want to know that you are set apart in the midst of all this evil Confirm mm-hmm. that you're an exile. <laughs> Confirm that you're chosen and set apart by acting differently than everybody. <laughs> That's right. So it's like pretty clear. <laughs> it's it's pretty clear. Yeah. He's uh what are we called to? Being God's elect exile. Yeah. That's right. Okay, so for in this way, uh, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So in this, in this confirming, in this diligence, in these adding virtue to virtue, mm-hmm. in you, this remembering we participate in the divine. Yeah, you you will be richly provided by being given entrance into the eternal kingdom of Jesus. Right, which he again says later is a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Ah. So, oh, that's nice because it's, I mean, it's just like nice to think about where it's like righteousness and virtue and all these things can just kind of seem like a unachievable brass yeah. ring where it's just like, I'm just going to keep adding these things yeah. together and it it's never going to add up to me being Jesus. Right. But it's like, oh, but it actually will because I'm going to be, in, I'm going to enter into that kingdom. Right. The way that I wrote it earlier today was uh, at the end of Peter's life. The sermon he leaves on is that our righteous Savior shares his righteous nature with us so we can live righteous lives that will lead to eternal righteousness. Oh, yeah. Like that, it's all goodness. Yeah. Our current moral progress is going to one day give way to total moral perfection. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And there's something to think about too, just the imagination here, like the worldview here. We talk a lot about worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, you, we, Peter wants us to see that there is the world is corrupt mm-hmm. and it's fallen and it's dark. And the goodness that we're given is just pushing that back. Mm-hmm. And then that's why goodness is not a neutral, like a, uh, an unconnected thing that pious people in caves do. You know, right, it's right. like, it's something that has bearing on the world around you. Right. It happens while you live in a sinful yeah. world, while the corrupt desires are raging, yeah. while the false teachers are telling you to do whatever it is they want you to do. Right. And the yeah. point of goodness is not to be so good that you finally get to a heavenly state where you can finally take a break and rest from all your piety, mm-hmm. which is kind of like how people think about mm-hmm. earning a spot in heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, finally, I'm, I was good enough. Now I can chill. 
Yeah. And I was like, no, the point is that like God wants us to dwell in goodness. Mm-hmm. He wants us to be in a good place, mm-hmm. but not a place that's good just for us and our evil whims. Right. Well, I think it goes back to like, uh, what does it mean to be in a place where righteousness dwells? Yeah. And I mean, the other word for righteousness is justice. Yes. What does it mean to live in a world where justice dwells? I mean, if you're evil and you go to a place where justice, ju- if you go to justice's house, right? You, you're not going to like it there. Yes. No, you're not. It's like the great divorce. And so much of our lives now is dominated by injustice, right? Yeah. Whether systemically or personally, mm-hmm. we're all the victims of or the perpetuators of injustice and unrighteousness. Mm. And I want to be a part of a world where that's not the case anymore. You know? And that's yes. like, that's the that's the good news that Peter's preaching. Yep. There's a day coming where... Bad stuff goes away. Bad stuff goes away. <laughs> and that started with Jesus. Yeah. And we participate in that justice and righteousness and goodness and mor- moral purity of Jesus now. And that's where we're headed. Yeah. And that's good news. Like, it's not disconnected. I think righteousness feels like, oh, yeah. you know, like, it's like the monks chanting. Yes. Like, justice yeah. is coming. And that yes. will define reality for us soon. Mm, yeah. That's so good. Therefore, verse 12, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, <laughs> even onto my deathbed. I'm yeah. going to tell you to keep pursuing self-control, though you know them, you know them, and you're established in them and in the truth that you have. So, but nevertheless, I think it right that as long as I'm in this body, I'm going to keep stirring you up by way of reminding you of them, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as Jesus has told me. I'm going to die soon, so I'm going to keep reminding you of this stuff until I die. And that I, too, will make every effort (laughs) so that after my departure, you'll be able to recall these things. And he did it by writing this letter. And he did it. He did it. He made every effort. (laughs) And thousands of years later, we are reading his letter still, reminding (laughs) us of our participation in the divine and the new heavens and the new earth. Thanks, Peter. justice to come. (laughs) Well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, You want to tee up next week's episode for us? Yeah. Next week, we're going to dive into the skepticism about the end times. Oh, yeah, I remember us asking this question on the introduction. Uh, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Right. He's going like, to spend the rest of his letter talking about that. Yeah, and will he ever come back? And will he ever come back? And then all the categories of righteousness that we set up are finally going to pay off because if Jesus doesn't come back, we can do what we want, right? Right. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's next week. Well, I'm excited for that. So look forward to that, guys, and uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.